Part 1, Act 4 of Aladdin, or The Wonderful Lamp, by Adam Olenschlager, translated by Theodore Martin. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Act 4. The Sultan's Palace. Suleiman, Zulima, his wife, Golnair, the vizier, Saladin. The grounds of the divorce are so peculiar, and lie so very far beyond the bounds of what is either possible or likely. I am fairly puzzled what reply to make. Such, O oh my liege, is my opinion too. Experience shows how readily the blood inflames the fancy with delirious dreams. And yet that both of them should dream the same is odd. Yet is it not impossible? And if we are to trust the tale at all, tis better to believe it in the course of nature than suppose a miracle. In order to arrive then at the truth, it will be best that we wait patiently and see the issue of the second night. Then shall we both within the bridal room conceal ourselves, where we can see and hear, and, for ourselves, decide upon the facts. Thou art a sage, most mighty potentate. If it was fancy, nothing shall we see. But if the devil's hand be in the business, then we are sure to probe it to the root and in that case we may allow our children uh, it cuts me to the heart the very thought to be unfettered from the marriage bond what says my daughter to this fair resolve i am submissive to my father's will we hold this business as concluded then no stop I have some claim to be allowed, a little word or two in this affair. I love your daughter, mighty sultan, well. My rare good fortune, too, I clearly see. But not for her sake, no, not for the world would I encounter such another night. You have no notion what it is to stand, stiff as a post and rooted to the roof, contemplating the stars and milky way you have no notion what it is to be by spirits pinched and squeezed and pulled about to see a strange man get into your bed and make himself at home there with your wife whilst you aloft like a mad dog perforce must bay the dog-star and the grinning moon Golnara there may well submit, for she stays in her warm and comfortable bed, so wide and roomy that the naked sword can do no harm, and, touching that same sword, I'm quite of your opinion that tis hard to credit what our own eyes have not seen. Now I have really seen my bride her bed, with the enchanter nestling at her side, but that same naked sword I have not seen, Perhaps the thought of it is all a dream. To follow your opinion, O great sultan, a mere creation of her virgin fancy. Audacious wretch! This language to my daughter! Ah, by the prophet, this is too absurd. What? Chafing still? There, fume away, my children. Your peevish brawl is like the angry bay of a caged hound. The quarrels with the night, 
because the fleecy clouds play around the moon. Call up your manhood, boy. Not I, indeed. I want to rid me of my womanhood. Can you not brave the hazard one night more, to win a pearl so far beyond all price? Can you appraise his risk that dives for pearls? If you can do so, multiply it o'er, an hundred thousand times. Such risk is mine. By Mahomed, it might be dangerous for some poor, puny, pitiable poltroon to find himself in such a case as yours. <laughs> but ne'er could I have dreamt such fears in you. Make me not frantic. Tantalus was blessed compared with me. It was but water lapped against his baffled lips. But I, oh, hell, enough, tis very palpable to me. This business sets your reckonings all awry. To be a sultan's brother is as fine, I fancy, as to be his son-in-law. Yet, father, you must arm yourself with patience. Tis a son's duty, doubtless, to obey. But to stand nightly for the family honour, cold sentry on the housetop, whilst another enjoys himself at leisure with my wife, is, you'll excuse me, sir, too much to ask. Forget not, boy, the pride, the self-respect which your exalted station claims from you. The exalted station on the roof, you mean. To that, methinks, I have already shown all due respect. You always will fall back on this preposterous vision. Oh, dear father, grant, I entreat you, Saladin's desire. What do you say, vizier? What shall we do? The tale is simply ludicrous, my liege. The captain of the bodyguard enters. Sire, Ali Baba, the astrologer, awaits outside with bald, uncovered head. Something of moment he has come to tell. Let him come in. Exit Captain. A sage and learned man, skilled in the mystic volume of the stars. Far on the plain I built for him a tower, where all night long he sits, with sleepless eyes, reading the marvels which the stars portend. Marvels indeed. Believe me, O great Sultan, there's not one grain of marvel stirring there. One stands and gapes and yawns, and that is all. Alibaba enters. God send to Persia's Sultan peace and joy. Firm stand his throne, and may his race increase. I thank thee. Say, what vision of the night hath brought thee hither from thy tower in haste? But for such cause thou scarcely hadst come here, thou lovest solitude. Ah, good my lord, an old man I, and weary of the world. Earth's baubles have no longer charms for me. Its greatest things seem little to the sage. When old age shades us with its silvery wings, then ever more and more the eye is bent upon the star-sown canopy of heaven. Thither we look as to our real home, the haven of our earthly pilgrimage. 
as for myself it is my joy and solace to watch serene of soul night's feeble rays till heaven its mighty gates wide open flings and floods me with the radiance of the dawn what revelation dost thou bring me now as i last night according to my wont had climbed into my tower and there had prayed upon the moon i let my eyes repose and mused how our great prophet on a time in order to the unbelieving earth to prove his mission beckoned it from heaven when clanging down to earth it fell and broke on either side the mountain elicaeus whereon by his all-powerful command he welded it anew and bade it rise and shine in ether as it did before as i stood musing thus with gaze intent the moon grew suddenly so pitchy dark that under it the earth seemed black as coal the owls shrieked dismally within the wood the village mastiff suddenly grew dumb but still i kept my place though sore perplexed by the mysterious darkness the whole sky was clear without a cloud besides no cloud could have thrown such a shadow on the earth i thought perhaps tis the eternal's will this very night to judge creation the angel hath he summoned now of death the mighty israfil who evermore stands ready with his flashing trump at once with shattering blast to shake the universe to crumbling ruin i was calm as now yet as upon my knees resigned to heaven i waited in the dark for what might come the moon regained its lustre by degrees and in the clear light palpably i saw it was a mighty angel's dusky wings had o'er the sky diffused this strange eclipse along the air he floated with a bed of ebony and gold whereon were laid clear to the sight a woman and a man what unto us this wondrous sign portends is more than i can fathom but i come impelled by duty with my dearest speed to make all known my liege to thee heaven grant it bodes no evil swiftly to ensue evil forsooth what evil could ensue hath by my beard ensued already beard you have none but i hope for one in time what do you mean fair sir say hast thou not decried me through thy telescope great sage upon a certain housetop yesternight fixed like yourself contemplating the stars what time fair sir why shortly after you beheld that monster in the air 
Not I. Twas me you saw up yonder in the air. You lay hard names upon yourself, young sir. Ha, take me not for yonder devil spawn, yonder great black unsightly vampire bat. I was but one of the two persons you beheld reclining on the handsome bed. Were you the woman, Milkbeard, or the man? The man? Good gracious! Had I been the woman, I should have been more pleasantly employed than in research of that celestial law, which, to my thinking, might be better styled a law downright infernal. Sir, you rave. Beloved father, hesitate no longer. Now thou must see, it was no feverish dream. The ways of God are oft inscrutable. Yet that this marriage is not blessed of heaven, I see beyond all question. Be it then dissolved from this hour forth. Oh, father, thanks. Thanks, mighty sultan, for this blessed release from bondage dire that would have driven me mad. Vizier aside. O oh, wretched churl, by heaven he's not my son. Such a vile recreant I could ne'er beget. Ha! All my hopes are torn up by the roots. And yet, I must be grateful to my liege. Grateful? Oh, Allah! Thanks, great sultan, thanks. Most strange. Now follow me to the divan. Exit the Sultan and the Vizier. Lunair follows her mother. Ali Baba to Saladin. Will you inform me, sir, what all this means? Go goggle at the stars and learn of them. But for myself, the world can't flout me now. The cuckold's horns no longer grace my brow. Exit. Ali Baba returns to his tower. The Divan, Suleiman, the Vizier, Spectators, the Council, Morgiana at the door, Morgiana to a drunken peasant. Good gracious me, don't poke me in the ribs. Wait till you're called, and don't come bouncing so against a frail old woman like myself. What business have you here? Go, get along. You can't speak with his majesty today. He only talks to people of my rank, who come to see him on important business. Important business? Merry and indeed. And don't I come upon important business? I come, if you must know it, to arrange the marriage of his daughter with my son. Nushir one, dost thou see there, by the door, the woman who last week presented me with yonder glorious treasure? Impudence! The guard shall instantly... Hold, vizier, hold! Remember what beseems my dignity, and what doth wrong it. In the flush of joy a promise escaped my lips, which cannot now be kept, indeed, but which with violence I will not break, for violence begets anger, and anger generates revenge, where by a momentary prudence this can be avoided, it behoves it should. My sultan words do make me smile perforce. <laughs> anger, revenge? Revenge and anger? What? 
a tailor-lad and Sultan Soliman? And what of that? Be who he may, he is my subject still, and am I not his prince? My state demands that I should tend the flock entrusted to my charge with loving care. To treat it with a brute-like recklessness were but to prove myself a sorry shepherd. Forgive, my lord, the outburst of my wrath, and unto me, too, let your grace extend. The coldest nature shows a hasty spark, when its green wounds are roughly touched, and mine, need I add more? Well, well, I understand. Yet these green wounds, which gall us both alike, you promised me, Nushirwan, not to touch. Let me forget them, then, and tell me what you think is best and fittest to be done. If all you wish be to get rid, my lord, of the old fool, and not to punish her, tis but to ask her lovesick son what he can by no possibility fulfill. This will effectually conclude the matter. You counsel sagely. Bring the woman in, and let the others for today depart. The vizier calls in Morgiana, who throws herself down before the throne. The others retire. Solomon sternly. I recognize you, know why you are here. My promise also have I not forgotten. I said to you, the man who could afford such gifts to our exchequer as the last, might, if the rest were equal to the first, conceive the hope to wed a prince's daughter. What then I said, old woman, I say still. For if your son in treasure be so rich, as his last gift doth give us cause to hope, to such a bride he fairly may aspire. Then, to make sure of this, for it might be mere chance had thrown that treasure in his way, I now desire that he send here to me, to-morrow at this hour, forty large vases, curiously carved, and of the purest gold. These also he must fill with precious stones, much better than the former. Every vase must by a handsome negro slave be born, and forty more white slaves must follow these. Let this be done, and by my word I stand, and give my daughter to your son for bride. But if this be not done, let me no more have word or sign from you. Remembering the gift which late you brought me, I forgive your son's audacious insolence this once, but let him dare no farther to offend with his unblushing importunity. Rises and exit with the vizier. Ay, ay, just so, just so. Did I not say it? Have I not warmed him as a mother should? Not said a thousand times, Boy, stretch your hand no farther out than you can draw it back. Red shoes alone won't make a body dance. Need you be told that rotten eggs must make unsavory cakes? That wooden covers go with wooden bowls? That he who has no cat must catch his mice with owls or let them gnaw? And he that lacks for lime must build with loam? Why then the princess, why but her? If you have neither horse nor ox, boy, take an ass. 
or twas mere preaching in a deaf man's ear a buckler's no defence against the noose he'd have his way because he had this lamp and our good sultan courteous is and kind but never wake a sleeping dog nor pull a donkey's girth too tight beware of cats that lap before and use their claws behind we tread upon the worm until it turns now what a howl he'll make why did he then lie down between the corner and the door like yarn like cloth laugh in the morning cry before the night an oaken cudgel is the true fool's towel as you make your bed so you must lined as the clay the pay exit a room aladdin to him enters morgiana aladdin runs to meet her well dearest mother well my dearest son i have not the heart to let him know the truth well mother well now tell me you have been at the butcher's yes boy that indeed i have and got a famous joint of venison that's not the question you've been at a tailor's oh yes i just looked in upon him dear what a good kindly honest soul it is your father and himself were ever friends ay though they both were tailors to their craft your father none could match him a cloak the genius of the other lay in hose and so they rubbed along the best of friends each in his line a master of his needle they never fell to loggerheads these two he always trumpeted your father's cloaks who always trumpeted his hose in turn so all went bravely many and many a year ah that was the golden age of tailorhood but mother tell me what the tailor said good dame you may be sure of this said he that i will stitch as soundly for your son as for himself he could have stitched if he had followed out his father's handicraft who in the fiend's name asked about the tailor who soars too high my son must have a fall now do i see too plainly what the bell has struck but by mine honour he shall find this sultan that he plays a dangerous game tis bad my son to eat cherries with great folks for they are apt in very wantonness to throw the stones into your face i'll stone him but quick quick mother tell me everything what shall i tell you boy you know the truth you have already guessed it to a turn it's no use stirring in this business more best once for all to let the stone lie still you find too hard to lift this sort of thing is just like writing black upon the chimney i almost burst ha sultan wait a while thou beggar king just wait thou haughty churl i'll teach thee what it is to play with me as though i were the meanest of thy slaves i'll teach thee to fulfil thy plighted word not long shalt thou contemn me like the sheep that from the rocks bleats mockery at the wolf because i cannot reach thee reach thee i shall yes by the prophet's beard i swear it here pray curb these hasty paroxysms boy they make you most unhappy that they do unhappy and what makes my happiness or my unhappiness canst tell me that to live a noble life unsoiled by shame that constitutes my happiness to be abased and scorned my chiefest misery 
to vanquish obstacles, be what they may, hath Allah gifted me with strength and will, with so much pride and constancy combined, that though my love should bring disaster, death, yet shall I triumph even in my fall. Snap goes the bowstring that's too highly strung. Yes, if twas never fit to bear a strain. Great heaven, shall the free spirit ne'er aspire? Must we forever stoop, forever crawl? But shah, enough of this. Tell me what passed. He ordered you away, no doubt, at once. No doubt he chid you for audacity and did not choose to recognize you. No, that he did not, but, on the contrary, stuck to the promise which he gave before. But what can all his promises avail? They leave us just precisely where we were. What did he say? He said if you tomorrow should send him forty vases, all of gold, and filled with painted crystal like the last, that you should have his daughter for your wife. But look you, every vase was to be brought by a black slave, and he, his very words, must be attended by another, white. But how is this to be brought about? How, mother, how? And this is all he asked. All? And a mighty deal too much, say I. Why did you fire my blood without a cause, and stir my anger against the sultan thus? Most moderate in sooth is his demand, and by tomorrow it shall be fulfilled. Tomorrow? By tomorrow? Well, and how? How? By the lamp. The lamp? Oh, it's Pitykin's the lamp. That's true. I never thought of that. Who can remember an old rusty lamp? The lamp, boy. So you really think the lamp? Yes, mother, certainly. Beyond a doubt. You and the lamp be blessed. Nobody has a lamp like this, of course, but you. I mean, that everybody has a lamp but this. Is a lamp, mother, of no common kind? Still, boy, I have my doubts. To do all this may be beyond the spirit. We shall see. What is beyond his power, and what is not, the spirit for himself can best decide. We'll ascertain at once. Takes out the lamp. Just wait a bit. I want to purchase something in the town, and as it's growing dark I must be off. Runs out. She cannot get the lamp into her head. She always will forget it. Strange enough. But for my life she plans and schemes all day. Her thoughts should never turn upon the lamp. To her I am but her son, not the lamp's lord. Now, if I be its lord, this test will show. Rubs the lamp. The spirit appears. Lord, what wilt thou? Straight give order. All thy wishes to fulfill hath almighty Allah gifted me with power and strength and will. Precious to me is thine, Aidens. Strong and great art thou, and I, therefore, with a bold assurance on thy potent help rely. What thou wishest, say, and waste not praises of my skill and might. Forty mighty golden vases, as the flashing sunbeams bright, through the filmy streams of ether must thou bring me, brimming o'er with the diamond's lustrous water, with the ruby's rosy gore, with the emerald's earthy verdure, with the sapphire's heavenly blue, as they gleam and glow in beauty in the mountain springtide dew, 
large and lustrous, each a marvel, with no flaw in all their sheen, as they bloomed within the garden, hidden deep the rocks between. There no black stone intermingles to set off the radiance gay, but black slaves must bear the vases, night shall bring the glorious day. And a more imposing contrast to the mingling hues to lend, forty white slaves you must find me, with that dusky train to blend. Pair by pair these slaves shall mingle, white and black, and black and white. Lay on every vase a napkin, woven with tissues dipped in light, whereon ground of softest velvet, copied in the silk, are seen, rose and tulip and carnation, budding from the meadow green. All this by to-morrow bring me, then thy power is firm and good. They shall stand, great lord and master, there where even now I stood. Aladdin rubs the lamp. Not so fast, thou best of servants. Stay, my further hests to hear. Thou hast but to rub, O master, and straightway I reappear. List then to what more I order. Dexterous art thou, and swift. All these treasures I have ordered, for the sultan are a gift. And already thou divinest I must come in such array, As beseems a prince before him such a princely gift to lay. First a bath must thou prepare me, Whereon every wall doth shine, Marble, agate stone, and jasper, Quaintly carved and polished fine. Let two streams of purest water, Hot and cold, be flowing still, So contrived that I may mingle Either current at my will. There, attending on my pleasure, must be maidens fair and bright, with sweet balsams to anoint me, and to steep me in delight. Then the finest caftan bring me, diapered with jewels rare, next a sabre of Damascus, and a wild Arabian mare, wild, but which the costly bridle at my will can turn and wind. Fetch my mother too, all vestments whereunto she hath a mind. Bring her trusty handmaids also, O thou spirit good and great, Who to execute her wishes on her every step shall wait. Do thou this, and do it swiftly, And thy praise I'll sound alway. All which thou hast yet commanded Is to me but baby's play. Vanishes. Aladdin rubs the lamp. Servant, I again must call thee. Doubly long thou makest thy flight. Thou wilt soon attire of rubbing, then will I of toil so light. When now all is fairly ordered, and when all is now complete, when the nuptial hour approaches, hour of rapture heavenly sweet, then shalt thou a palace rear me, all of pure white marble there, full before the sultan's harem, in the midst of the great square. After thine own wisdom rear it, but let it be gorgeous all. Store it with the costliest treasures, and within it build a hall, vast, foursquare, and highly vaulted, peerless for its pomp and pride. Four and twenty spacious windows make for me on every side. Yet of these so matchless windows one imperfect thou shalt leave. Wherefore thus I do command thee, thou true servant wilt conceive. Solemnize my nuptials nobly, make all sumptuous, festive, bright, let the torches fume with amber, 
day arrives from dusky night choirs of nimbly footing fairies bring to lead the dance along whilst a throng of loveliest damsels thrill all hearts with lute and song canst thou do this of my wishes this within my heart is chief yes as easily o oh master as the zephyr stirs the leaf vanishes end of part one act four